All right, good evening. Thank you, everybody, for coming. I want to welcome our, everybody, old-timers and the newcomers. We have a special guest from Yerushalayim. Thank you for coming. Zachariah and a new, new member from the neighborhood. I hope to see you every week, Mr. Shem. And uh, really appreciate it, as always. Everybody, myself included, are still on a high from yesterday. If you were there, you experienced it live. If you weren't there, but you saw it, you watched it. Cool, cool that. Yes. <laughs> you were there? Of course. Okay, so you felt it. And, you know, everybody's uh, emotions were on a high the entire evening. And I was thinking different thoughts. One of the thoughts that crossed my mind as I was looking around the stadium, the tens of thousands of Yidin together, listening to, listening to drushes together, singing together, dancing together, Davening together. So I had this thought, and it ties directly into the parasha. We mentioned a few times from the Rebbe Meilach that yeah, that you know we say by davening l'shem yichud before every mitzvah that we do. It's by davening. It's by other mitzvahs as well. We said on Hanukkah l'shem yichud kut shabrichu ushchinte b'dechilu rochimu. What does B'Shem Kol Yisrael mean? So says Ramaylech, every person has his flaws. He has his chesroinus. Every person makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Nonetheless, the Pasuk tells us, V'amech kulam tzadikim. Everybody's a tzaddik. So what's the pshat? Says Ramaylech. Chazal tells us in Ovis, Kol Yisrael, Yeish Lam Chelek Lo'elam Habla. There's a place, there's a world, an oilam, that's called Kol Yisrael. And in that place, in that world, there's no metzias of chet. A yachid can have a chet, a yachid can have a flaw. But when it's Kol Yisrael together, in its entirety... That's pure. That's perfect. There's no metzias of chet in that world. And so Emela says, remind like when a person goes to Davin, he goes to do a mitzvah. How could he approach a Kodesh Baruch Hu? Me? With all my flaws, with all my chesroinus, my averus, I'm going to Kodesh Baruch Hu. So that's why we say, B'Shem Kol Yisrael. I'm yachad myself with the entirety of Kol Yisrael. And now, it's not only me. It's you too. And the mindless of everybody together join together with my mitzvah. No problem. They join with my mitzvah so that I can do the mitzvah together with you. When you come to do the mitzvah, you miyachad yourself with Klai Yisrael. It's not just you. And the mitzvah is done now. All of Klai Yisrael together. And the it's a pure mitzvah. There's no Aveira, there's no sin, there's no chesroinus in it. And even if I don't necessarily have all the right kavonis, and I don't necessarily have all the milas that are needed, but maybe you do. And the other person, maybe he has it. I join together with Klai Yisrael and Mela, I'm perfecting myself through that maisa. So, with that in mind, I was thinking, I was looking around, Tens of thousands of years, like we mentioned before. I was thinking to myself, you know, everybody has his his thoughts, you know. And, and even last night, I was thinking, you know, I wasn't zayichet to be to finish us with the daf yemi. 
And I probably won't be doing it this cycle either. But there are people sitting there who did. So I'm uniting with them. So now, my limit at Torah, which is, this is part of it, what we're doing here tonight, we're uniting with them, with their limit at Torah that they do. And we all join together. And so Mimela, even if I can't do it, but since you can do it, and I'm with you together, so we're all part of it. And we're all united. And it's not only true for learning, it's true for midas, it's true for really any aspect of our life. You know, we, we, a person can look at himself and say, you know, who am I? What am I accomplishing? What am I doing? But no. Rebbeilich tells us, no. Amich kulam tzaddikim. Just be part of Klal Yisrael and you can, ha- you can have his part as well. His milas and his Torah, his Midas, his Kedusha, it's all affecting you. We're in it together. And that is what we all felt last night. What was said by many of the speakers as well, the Novomitsk Rebbe specifically mentioned this, it's not just a scene for those who finish Shas. Everybody who learned Shas, who learned some Gemara, you're part of this chaylik, you're part of this celebration, and that's all of us, each and every part of each and every person of Kal Yisrael. We're all part of this thing, of B'Shem Kal Yisrael. And this thing, this idea, is really seen in the Parsha. Nasiva Shalom explains. Beginning of the Parsha, Vayiga Shalom Yehuda, Yehuda approaches Yosef. Vayayma Biyadayni, he says, Please, my master, Yadabrina Avda Chadavar, Boznei Adayni. Let me say something to Avadil. Do not be angry at me. We know that Hagosha is also a Lashem of Tefillah. We find that by Avramavinu and Parshas Vayera. Vayigash Avram, Avramavinu, he presented himself to Kurdish Baruchu, which Chazal say that's one of the Lashanas of Tefillah, is to approach, approach a Kurdish Baruchu. So says the Nasiva Shalom, the Shalom Rebbe, Vayigash Elav Yehud, a person, a Yid, goes to Davin to Kurdish Baruchu. My master, listen to me. I want to say something to you. Don't be mad at me. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But I still want to talk to you. I still want to dive into you. Now how am I going to do it? Says the post. And he says to us, do you have a father? A father is a Rebbe? Are you connected to a Rebbe? Are you Ba'achtas with Klai Yisrael? So then even if you're not perfect and you don't have the ability to, go, to approach a Kodesh Baruch on your own, but you're uniting with everyone else, and they could. And so you could do it too. We say to a Kodesh Baruch yes, we have the Yavzokeh, we have the Rebbe that we dive, that we're connected to. We have the Yelad's Kunim Kotov. We have the brothers that we're connected to. Va'ochiv Meis. Who's the Ochiv? Who are we talking about, Meis? He's talking about Yosef. Yosef that the brothers hated. Says Yehuda, it's over. The hatred is gone. It's no longer existing. We're all together now. And when you come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu like that... Then you can approach him, and then you can daven, because you're uniting, you're connecting, you're connecting to the Torah, you're connecting to Kaddish Baruch, you're connecting to Tzadikim, and most importantly, you're connecting to Klal Yisrael. And Kaddish Baruch repeats to Klal Yisrael later on, If you're not going to be united, 
Don't come to me if you're not Ba'achdus. But finally, Kal Yisrael says, yes, Ve'ata Kivoi, the Nafsheh, we're connected, we're connected like one unit. And when we're connected, we can approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu and ask for anything we want, even if we ourselves, ourselves are not deserving of it. But, Kalal Yisrael as a whole is deserving of it. And that is the Yisrael, the Yisrael of Tefillah, the Yisrael of Vayigash, the Yisrael of Achtos of Kalal Yisrael, which we all felt last night. And one more observation that I had. You know, you go to a ball game. And, you know, I unfortunately had that experience many times, either to go myself or to watch it. <clears throat> now let's say it's a playoff game. It's a very important game, right? So everybody's tense, everybody's nervous, and sometimes you know you watch a game and you see it's like you know the the the, the host team is losing, and it's already the, the late innings. Let's say it's a ball game, baseball game. The place is quiet, and sometimes this moment the game is tied or they're leading by one by one point. Everybody's on their edge. Everybody's on the edge of their seats. Mommy, you could feel the tension in the air. And then, either they win or they lose. If they win, you're going to go home happy. <laughs> if they lose, you're going to go home upset and sad. So you're 50-50. It's a 50-50 chance. That's if your team is a good team. And if it's a bad team, it's, you're even less, right? Last night, though, everybody came out a winner from that place. Every single person. Every moment, there was no tension. There was no nervousness because we knew we're together. And we all emerged from there victorious. And that is the, the answer. The answer that we can say to all the anti-Semites who are raising their ugly heads now against Klal Yisrael. We can say to them, and of course this goes besides the ishtadlis that has to be done in Baruch Hashem, it seems like it is being done. And besides everything else and the awareness that has to be raised, but to ourselves we can say we already won. And it doesn't matter what you think about us. It doesn't matter how they feel about us. Because we're the winners. We're together. We never come out losers. Deal. You go to your games. Your ace of games. You can come out a loser. You can come out cursing. Which Goyim do. We're the winners. We're Achtas. And that's our uniqueness of Klai Yisrael. En koycheinu alab achtuseinu. Say this far. Makoyach is the Achtas. And there's no question in my mind that the schus of that tremendous Kiddush Hashem is going to protect Klal Yisrael here and in Eretz Yisrael and wherever they are, that we should be benched with only with good things, Ruchnis and Begashmias. So, at the end of last week's parsha, we had the story of Yosef making sure that Binyamin comes down and then he plants the goblet in Binyamin's bags. He sends his messenger to, catch, to, to call them back. They open up the uh, bags and it's found in the bag of Binyamin. They all go back and Yehuda approaches Yosef. Yehuda's the leader of Klal Yisrael, of the leader of the Shvatim. <coughs> and he speaks to him and it sounds like in a very tzibrach in a way. And he says, What are we going to say? Who's got him across the street? The guy is. Oh, let me share here. You wait. It's okay. We're in front of uh, in front of Greenspan's driveway. 
screaming. So uh, this kind of uh, people doesn't have this car. Maybe the sim car. What is that? The sim car across the street. Yeah. There's something going on there. Yeah. Something going on. There's a lot of people. Anybody there. has a free car? Um, no, not from here. Do you want? This one. You went into you went into cross street. Huh? You went across street, yes. Oh, yeah. After the date. Okay, so Yehuda approaches Yosef Atzadik. He says, "You know, really, I have no words. This is the the lotion that we use uh, uh, twice a week on uh, every Monday and Thursday by Tachlan." What are we going to say? We have nothing to say. We have no way to justify ourselves. Hakadosh Baruch Hu has uncovered the sin of your servants. We're all going to be your slaves. All the brothers. Everyone. So if we listen to the voice of Yehuda, we can imagine that he's approaching Yosef in a very humble manner. Very quiet, unassuming manner, like a manner of defeat. I lost. And you won. Says Yosef, no, 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 don't worry about it. The person that we found the goblet in his hands, who he's the one who's going to be the slave. Vatem, all the other brothers, you can go up peacefully to your father. Everything's going to be good. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All of a sudden, Ooh, Chazal tell us a very dramatic account of what was going on there. This was no simple uh, negotiation back and forth. This was serious stuff. Yehuda, as the other Shvatim, he was the strongest of the Shvatim. They were all very strong. Yehuda had two hairs in his chest. And when he would have got angry, those hairs would raise, would rise, and they would pop out of his clothing. That's how strong he was. Boom! He knew he was trouble. Yeah. Yehuda erupted. He's not uh, Mr. Nice Guy anymore. He's not so humble and unassuming anymore. He's now a tough guy. And the Medrash tells us these fascinating accounts of what exactly went on. He let out a gishrai, a yell, that was reverberated. It was heard all the way in Eretz Yisrael. 400 armies, 400 parcel, 400 parcel. That's how strong he was. The palace shook and people's teeth fell out. It was amazing. Amazing what was going on there. What happened? Within one second, he goes from being Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Humble, Quiet, Unassuming, to this ferocious warrior. He took responsibility. Okay, that's good. But, but he did, that's true. But a second ago, a second ago, you were so quiet and humble. And now all of a sudden, you're this... Uh, you're this tough warrior. You're about to destroy the whole Egypt. Knock down the palace and kill everybody in it. In one second, he changed. What do we see here? It's a fascinating thing. And Chazal tell us, they describe this. Yehuda was the Melech. He was the Melech of the Shvatim. How was he Zaycha to Melucha? What did he do? When he, which we read about in, in two weeks ago, Parshas Vayeshev, when he confessed to the Misa of Tamar, he went beyond his natural tendencies. He went beyond his natural... He went against his teva. The most embarrassing thing that a person can say is, I sinned and I, made, and I did something wrong. And he, he went against his nature and he conquered his teva and he confessed to what he did wrong. 
And in that schus, by controlling himself, he was zeichet to be the melech, because when a person is able to control his emotions, himself, he's shaylet on himself. That's what real malchus is all about. So Yehuda's the melech. Yehuda's in control of his emotions. He's in control of himself. Yosef HaTzadik is the same exact thing. Chazal tell us. They give a description. He became the melech because he didn't let his emotions get the better of him. And there's a whole description of Chazal and his hands that didn't do an Avera and his mouth that didn't do an Avera. He was Moilech on who? On himself. And because he was Moilech on himself, he became the Melech for Mitzrayim as well. So when Adam Gadol has the ability to be in total control of his emotions. So it says Rav Zilberstein from, from Bnei Brak, yeah. He says... This teaches us a very simple thing. You know, we tend to think that a person's emotions, they're determined by different factors, by his genetic makeup and by his, uh, his environment and, uh, and by different things that happen to him in life. But here we see, no, it's got nothing to do with that. A person's emotions are determined by how strongly he could control them. If you want to, you could be in total control. And you can switch around in one second from one emotion to the next. So you can be Mr. Humble in one second, a second later be the most fiercest warrior in the world. And vice versa, you can be angry at one second, you can be happy the next second. Because if you're in control of your emotions, then you're going to decide how you're going to feel and nobody else. And this something, this is something which is very, very important thing. And it's Kitaitu Bimarchman, it's just a little bit because... Not only is this a psychological thing that's been discussed, and it's something that's very popular these days, this idea of mindfulness, but it's an essential component of each person's life, both in the physical world, in the spiritual world, and everything that he does. Let's take a look for a second. Each person was given emotions, now emotions can be used for good emotions can be used for bad depending how we use it for example everybody has within them the ability to love now that could be used of course for good things we can love our families we can love our wives our children and so forth and we can love a Baruch Hu. or it could be used for the wrong things kina jealousy kina aside from tarba chachma you know people were there as we heard last, yesterday last night uh, they were at the last team and they said, how come he can, he can do it? How come I can't do it? And they decided they're going to finish Shas. That's a great thing. Without that emotion, then everybody would just be static. But of course, Kinnah could take a person out of this world. It could destroy him. The same thing for Sinnah, hatred. We have to hate Amalek. We have to hate the uh, Yetzirah. But we have to love our fellow Jew. And it's our Avaidah to take our emotions and to control them using our abilities and using our seichel. Yosef was a melech on himself. Yehuda was a melech on himself. And we can also be malachim on ourselves. You know, there's a famous psychiatrist, psychologist, his name was Viktor Frankl. He was a yid who went through Auschwitz. And he made a very fascinating observation. And that started a type of therapy that's still very prevalent till today. It's something that's very popular. And he said like this, what he observed when he was in the concentration camps was that 
people who had a meaning. They had a certain meaning. They had a certain ideal in their life. They were able to feel not to get broken from their experiences. He said those people that had, uh, you know, that they were out there, they were out there to get other people. So they, their whole mahalach was to destroy others. But they survived that way. He said others who had higher, higher ideas, they were there to, uh, <coughs> to try to help others. So they also, they were able to survive to the best of their abilities in the remote, at the emotional level. They didn't give up because they felt that they had something going for them. And that was the idea that we're going to be helpful to other people. So everybody who had a meaning, he wasn't affected by what was going on around him. And no matter how horrible the conditions were, no matter how terrible it was, when there was meaning, they were able to somehow survive emotionally. Physically, of course, that's a different story. Not everybody made it. But he said, and he wrote a book after the Holocaust, and it calls Man's Search for Meaning. And he brought proof from his experiences that a person who has meaning in his life then he's not going to get broken emotionally by the environment that he's in or by things that happen to him. And that's what he saw in the concentration camps. And this evolved into a type of therapy called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And the idea is as follows. Very simple. Now we tend to think that what happens to us is what affects our emotions. It affects our thoughts and that's how we feel. So in other words, for example, somebody yells at us, so we're going to be upset, and we're going to be mad, we're going to be depressed, we're going to be angry. But comes along Viktor Frankl and the therapist that followed him, and they says, no. Our feelings are not because of what happens to us. It's not the events that shape our feelings. It's the opposite. It's our thoughts that shape how we feel about what happens to us, and that's how we're going to act. What do I mean? Let's say, for example, you're driving on the highway, and all of a sudden... You hear a siren in the back of you. There's a cop. He's pulling you over. Oh, you're so upset. Are you upset? Pulls you over. Show me your license, your registration. You know, you were speeding. You were five miles over the limit. Race you had a ticket for $250. Points. Abrach. It's a mess. <laughs> you feel depressed. You feel upset. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? You're beating yourself up. Why was I speeding? I saw the signs. But then, two seconds later... All of a sudden, you see on the other side of the highway, there's a tractor trailer that loses control, and it crosses the median right to the spot that you were going to be if you weren't pulled over. How, how do you feel now? How do you feel? How do you feel happy? Now, what happened? Nothing changed, right? The events are the same events. You still have the ticket. But what happened was, my, 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 the way I looked at those events, that's what changed it. In the beginning, I looked at the, at the ticket as a terrible thing. But a few seconds later, I looked at it as that ticket saved my life. So the way we look at events is how we're going to feel about them. And this really, it applies to everything in life. So a person, let's say, so he, uh, he can be given, someone says to him, not, not a nice thing. Of course, nobody wants to go through such an experience. It's terrible. But we can react to it in different ways. We can say, you know, now my life is ruined. I'm going to be depressed. My day is over. 
I can't think, I can't focus. All we can say to ourselves is, you know what? Let's take a look at Yosef HaTzadik in this week's parasha. He's thrown into the pit by his brothers. They try to kill him. They sell him as a slave. His life is ruined. When it finally comes time for him to reveal himself to his brothers, what does he say? What does he say? Chaim, what does Yosef say to his brothers? You know what he says? I want to ask you something else. Wait, 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 one second, one second. He says to them, don't be sad. Yeah. Don't be sad. <clears throat> he's looking at everything in a positive way. He's not upset anymore. And he's telling them, you don't be upset. I'm not upset. You can take the worst events in life and turn it around and you won't feel negative about it anymore, just like Yosef HaTzadik says. And this is something that's been researched and it's something that's been discussed. And if we take a look, we see it in the Torah, we see it in Chazal, we see it in the Sfarim, that feelings and emotions have nothing to do with the events, has everything to do about how we think about these events. Okay, Mashiach, what's the question? Yeah. Uh, the brothers, yeah. you didn't recognize yourself. Ah, good question. That's a very good question. He had a mask, one. Who said he had a mask? Who was that? No, and they were Kolkakum Satim that it's, it's not him. Ah. Then, you hear that? Wait, but there's also one that he had a mask because he was. Uh, he was the king? Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. very interesting. No, I hope he had a cut and he covered his face. It's not it's no respect for a king to speak with people uh-huh. with a mask back then. Ah, uh-huh. interesting. Yeah. But I, I like the other answer better. That uh, you know, uh, you mentioned Roy Wallerstein. He says that also. He says that what? their mind was so biased against Yosef. Like the Miller said, that they, they couldn't. They, because they had a sheet that, that right. Yosef was, was, was with Russia, that they felt it was so right that right. it's impossible to Yosef. Right. And you know, it, it's so yeah, interesting. Yeah, this one I heard yesterday. He doesn't believe the old brother. No believe is Yosef. Because he said he is the best uh, than everyone, the right. whole brother. Right. Right. And the two heads that came out of his heart, yeah. they spray blood when he gets mad. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's how Yosef knew. Okay. <laughs> okay, Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And the idea is, is very simple, and this applies to, to our life. And, you know, it was articulated so beautifully last night by my friend. He said a beautiful line. He said like this, you know, a person thinks, I'm going to approach us. You know I mean? I'm going to finish 2,700 blot. And I'm going to go to Oshir seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's not happening. So he says the enemy, the enemy of good is perfection. If you want life to be perfect, forget about it. It's not happening. But if you want life to be good, then just do take one step at a time and think about <coughs> it. Everybody sees this in our daily lives. We have experiences. Chavetz Chaim, he was asked a question. He says, a person, he's in the middle of Shemun Ezra. He's holding right at the end of Shemun Ezra. He's holding by Sim Shalom. He's holding by Lekain Yitzar. He's holding by Yul The last line of Shemun Ezra. He did not have one ounce of Kavana. He didn't think about anything. You know, it's like the, uh, it's like you mentioned before, the, uh, the architect, the builder, right? Because there was a fellow, he built a house, a beautiful house. He left out the roof. They said, well, what's, 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 what's this? What's this all about? He says, I couldn't, you know, you can't plan everything in Shmones, right? I mean, there's only, uh, there's only this enough time. I mean, but the point is that by nature, we all tend to wander. Our minds tend to wander when we daven. 
Says the Chavetz Chaim, if a, a lady, imagine a lady selling apples in the market, and she has the cart of apples. Along comes a boy. He's a, a troublemaker. He comes and he flips over the, uh, the entire barrel. He starts to, everybody starts grabbing apples. So what should the lady do? What should the lady do? Should she start, start screaming? There's the Chavetz Chaim. Let her grab apples too. You're not going to get all your apples, but you'll get some of your apples back. So if you're holding by the end of davening and you have another line left, so hop that line. You got that line in. Okay, you didn't get the rest of the davening. You got that one line. It's all a matter of how we look at things. We can say, oh, forget it, this davening is over. Or we can say, okay, listen, that part of davening is over, but I still have one line. I'm going to focus on this line and what happened, happened. We can change our feelings based on how we think about it regardless of the, of, the, of the events that happened around us. And this, this idea of mindfulness is something that's being discussed now and it's becoming a very popular method. People to deal with life, you know, with the different things that happen in life. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened a minute ago. Right now, I'm here. Right now, this is the situation. And I'm in control. I'm the one who's in control of my thoughts. And with a, just a turn of the button, we can change our emotions no matter what happens to us. No matter what was said to us, no matter what was done to us, if we're able to put in a little bit of thought, think about it. If I'm thinking that, okay, you know what happened, happened, and now I'm focusing on what I'm doing now, the past is gone, and it's only the present that counts, and we can change our life like that, to be happy people, and to, to focus on what we're doing, and to hop around whatever we could, like we saw over there, like my friend said, perfect is the enemy of good, we don't have to be perfect, we do have to be good, and good can happen right now and right here. And that's what we see here in the Parsha. Yehuda, on the one hand, he's a, he's, he's a humble guy. When he needs to, he switches it to being an angry guy. When he needs to, he switches it back. And Yosef HaTzadik is the same thing. Here he's fighting with the brothers. A second later, he turns on the switch, and now he's Mr. Nice Guy again, and he tells them all about what he had in mind. He had plans, and he, he, he comforts them, and he makes them feel good. That's what life is all about. Turning the switch whenever we need to, Controlling our emotions, and with that, controlling our feelings and controlling our thoughts. And finally, we're going to conclude the beautiful story. You know, we find in the Parsha that when Yosef met with Binyamin, after he revealed himself to his brothers, it says like this. He cried on Binyamin's shoulder on Binyamin's shoulders. Binyamin cried on his shoulders, says Rashi. Why was he crying on Binyamin's shoulders about the two Migdash that are going to be built in the Khalik of Binyamin that are going to be destroyed? Binyamin cries on his shoulders. Why? But Mishkan Shiloh that's going to be in the Khalik of Yosef and that's also going to be destroyed. So what's what's the shot of this? In other words, if they each have Ruach Kaidish, so Binyamin knows that his the base of Migdash and his Khalik is going to be destroyed. And Yosef knows that the Mishkan is going to be destroyed. So why are you crying for him instead of crying for yourself? So I heard this really fascinating story. Two of the great Rebbes that, were, that, that escaped from Europe during the, wars of, during the years of World War II was the Yigar Rebbe, the Emir Emes, and a couple of years later was the Belzer Rebbe. When the Belzer Rebbe got off the boat, he was at Tzabrach and Amet, he had lost, left, left everything behind. I think we spoke about this a while ago. His family, his wife, his kids, grandkids, and of course... Thousands of Belzer Hasidim, all who were wiped out. <coughs> he came only with his brother, the father of the Karn Belzer Rebbe. And he was Sabrochan, understandably so. The Ger Rebbe asked him this question. He says to him, Belzer Rebbe, why did Yosef cry for Binyamin 
And why did Binyamin cry for Yosef? Why did they each cry for the other? For, for, for themselves? He says, because for yourself, you know, there's never reason to cry. For yourself, there's always the future. There's always hope. You can always improve. You can always get better. You can always change. Your job is to build for yourself. Of course, if Yanim is going through problems, you should cry for him. Because that's your part as a friend, as a brother. You should cry for your brother. But for yourself, there's never, there's never a reason to cry. Because if you're here and you're alive, then you can change from here on. Go ahead and have a good